0: Welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. Today I have with me, Yoan McRae, CEO of MainTail. Welcome to the show. Yoan. how are you doing? I'm very well indeed, David. Yourself? I'm excellent. Really excited for today's conversation. There's lots to talk about. Um, before Absolutely. we get into all of that though, Yoan, do you want to give us a bit of insight into yourself and the, and the business? Yeah, certainly.
1: Well, I'm a CEO of Maintel. I joined in October 2019, uh, obviously from Avaya previous to that. Um, and obviously joined Maintel, a, a superb organisation, um, great capability and uh, very fortunate to have a great team maintel um obviously it was an interesting first year in terms of my first full fiscal which was uh, uh january december of uh, of 20 obviously posing various challenges that uh we all had to face for the first time but um no i'm thoroughly enjoying uh being at maintel
0: excellent well let's um as you mentioned uh you know the dreaded 2020 uh let's talk about that that year that uh, you know that first year for you uh, how did that go? Obviously you had a pandemic to deal with. What was, maybe talk about some of those challenges you had or maybe some of the opportunities that came out of the pandemic also.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, as we started the year, sort of, we go back to January, February, March, our, our quarter one, obviously then working with both the board and the exec team, we, we knew we had to make some changes at the main tool, not only with what was going on pre-pandemic but with the UK market etc the change of technology customer requirements so we were always going to make changes at Maytel in terms of uh, the leadership team our focus on our key markets and key segments so that plan was always underway and very much working far closer with our key vendors and our partners obviously uh, the middle to latter part of March came um, and obviously the refocus very much was on first and foremost serving our customers um, as the pandemic hit and took hold of the UK Um, and very close to that was obviously making sure we're looking after our team so we sort of I think in that late March early April we saw two effects of it the initial bit was uh, an increase in orders uh, and requirements from customers as, as that hybrid working that remote working certainly took hold and that obviously had to become a permanent solution. So obviously making sure we're looking after our customers, there was the licenses and the capability to support homeworking. Um, Equal and opposite to that to some extent was obviously then a slowdown on some of the project work, understandably getting access to sites, uh, whether that be in the public or the private sectors. So whilst there was uh, an interest in the increase initially, obviously there was a slowdown, particularly in that April, May, early to mid-June on our project delivery capabilities Um, and whilst we continued focused on our customers um, we remained 100% operational. Um, We were in regular contact obviously with all our customers to make sure we are serving them especially those on the front line so we do an awful lot of work with NHS trusts, local housing, local government so they were very much at the forefront and we had uh, an incredible engineering team that still attended site, obviously with uh, COVID compliance and the PPE kit being issued, but they were superb and worked very closely with the customers. Uh, and I guess the second challenge of it was making sure our own team were were fit, well, and healthy, and were able yeah. to work from home. um Luckily, the business that we are and the technology we have internally is is what we sell and serve to our customers. So we're able to. Really, uh, invoke remote working very quickly and very easily with no issues at all. Literally within a 24-hour period, 580 of the team members are working remotely um, allowing us to serve. It was just a matter of keeping in contact with the team and making sure that they were, as I say, fit and healthy and, and their own mental well-being.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well maybe we could you could talk to me about what, what the focus is now Obviously, we've um, we've come a long way in in a year. It feels like Uh, it feels like someone pressed the fast forward button on uh, you know our working world and our working sort of practices and technology. Um, You know, where's MainTel's focus uh, this this year? Where where are you where are you looking? You know, and what's your sort of strategy behind that? Well, we sort of you know, as much as last
1: year was a challenge, it did allow us to look at the pieces very carefully and make. Um, some changes. So uh, we're obviously a public listed company, your name. Um, so we did give city guidance out in the latter part, early September, sort of post first lockdown and pre second lockdown. I'm pleased to say that we, maintail have achieved all four of the guidances we gave the city in terms of revenue, EBITDA, um, our debt position uh, being reduced and also cloud being a very big focus. And we obviously exceeded 100,000 contracted cloud seats by the end of last year. So that is a big focus for us as we transition us as a business, but also most importantly, assisting our customers with uh, on-prem transition to cloud, whether that be pure cloud or hybrid. So last year very much was a restructure of the business and a refocus of the business. Um, Where is Maintel strong in terms of key verticals? I mentioned NHS, local housing, education, but also in the private sector, particularly around retail, finance, insurance, and some of the corporate space. So the sales team were readjusted. We did a lot around the management team, some of the exec team as well. So we refocused the business. With that, we've built key propositions that are very specific to those key verticals. And we work very closely with the vendors that work within those key verticals. Um, So that was a lot of the planning from through last year, um, and that was a big change to the business, actually one of the biggest changes in terms of the structure and the focus and the strategy. We've obviously wrote a three-year strategy uh, for our business. We've sort of done year one of it. So we're in the second start of the second year. For this year, simply put, I'm I'm focused on three key areas. Firstly, I call it control, and that's ensuring we're on control of our business. We're in control of the debt position control of our revenue, our OPEX, and all the vendors that we work with, again, specifically focused to those key vertical markets. And we tend to operate in the 500 to 1000 plus, very much the high corporate enterprise space. Everything else that really isn't where we're going to be focused on. The second part is the focus that I mentioned there. We're going to focus on those segments, focus on the key verticals, focus on our key vendors that work with us. So we do a lot of work with, with Avaya, with Cisco, with Mitel, with Extreme, and all the peripherals that come in. We, uh, we've, we, we do more and more work now with Genesis. We've bought in our own R&D capability. So the focus is absolutely key, and that focus will go out throughout our business. Yeah. And okay. the third element is is invest. You know, we're going to continue investing. We've got our own R&D capabilities, you know, with our team in Ferrum. So we've got our own CCAS offering, CX now. We launched uh, a Microsoft Teams connector. Um, We did secure home working, which obviously was very uh, particular to the start of the pandemic. But as we all know, we work in a hybrid working environment, as you and I are both home today. Uh, But I'll be in the office tomorrow. So I I will be between home and office for the foreseeable future. So we do a secure home worker and we launched our own chatbot. We never stopped that investment last year. We will continue to invest in our own products, but also that API and that integration layer. So, continuous control, continuous focus, and continuous investment.
0: Okay, let's talk maybe about some of some of the customs. You mentioned that um, you know some of the big project work was uh, temporarily paused in the middle of last year. Uh, is that all starting to come through now? You know are the the big contracts. You know the big public sector contracts. Are they are they still out there and, and being, I guess, deployed and completed? And how how are your customers? Um, are they viewing their technology differently in twenty twenty one to perhaps previously? You know, are we are we seeing uh, a, an evolution, I guess, in how customers think about um, how technology really enables their business now.
1: Um, I think for the latter part of your question, yeah, without a doubt, there's a change and a refocus. So. Uh, Initially, for for the start of the question, yes, we've all those projects that were either under contract pre-pandemic or signed during or post-pandemic. Yeah, those those are all continuing. It really started picking up in that July, August, September time frame as it was easier um, and allowed, obviously, to go back to site, albeit COVID compliant with PPE kit associated. So the projects very much are underway. And that is across a lot of our larger private sector customers, um, but also those in the uh, public sector. We, we do a lot through G Cloud and 3808 framework agreements. So a lot of those projects that have been pre-procured in FY20 are most certainly under deployment. So, yeah, we have not seen um, since that initial quarter two, that April, May, June, projects have continued and most certainly picking up pace. So we're back on with all the projects. They're running at full steam in terms of change of requirements. Yes, there's undoubtedly um, we've we've seen obviously a huge uptick. Everyone's read it and the likes of Zoom and Microsoft Teams in terms of that remote working, that collaboration, uh, both internally and externally, um, you take aside that what was an initial reaction to get everyone working remotely from home. It's now mostly a more permanent um, working solution in the hybrid environment, whether that be part home, part corporate office, and maybe even part um, subsidiary offices in terms of um, uh, shared workspaces and the people with environmental impact and ease of working. So to be able to support customers, both on their initial networks and being able to uh, support their corporate offices, public and private, you've now got to extend that capability, that security layer out to the home worker in their remote environment. So we're starting to see a change of requirements and that's both across telephony, so traditional UC, on-prem or in the cloud, integrating with those collaboration suites in both a corporate environment and a remote hybrid environment that's still with the same layer of accessibility, ease of use, and the security layer on it. So there is undoubtedly a change of requirements in the marketplace. Um, we're serving them very well, and we'll continue to grow our vendor portfolio to ensure that we can keep up with the new customer requirements.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned your Microsoft Teams uh, Connect products as well there. I mean, are you getting a lot of questions around that security piece for, for Teams, What it what it means for uh, for for customers around around that area, are you seeing
1: that? I think there are two elements when we when we talk. One is how can we integrate with Microsoft Teams? How can a customer use Microsoft Teams, particularly in an internal environment, but obviously use that externally? So we know about E five licenses and everything else like that. So we're doing a lot more work with our customers to take that that collaboration suite predominantly around Microsoft Teams, but obviously that inbound outbound. Capability and the integration with maybe contact centers. The second part is then obviously how do we make that secure? So, how do we start looking at the uh, the network in its entirety? How do we bolt that down? How do we make it secure? How do we try and eliminate cyber security threats on it? How can we adopt not only to the security layer but, for example, SD-WAN technology across the network? So. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with both in slightly different ways, but certainly all-encompassing as part of our MSA and our support and managed services out to customers. But that has yeah, definitely come far higher in the priority list of conversations with customers.
0: Okay. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Eoin, about uh, consolidation in the market. We're seeing uh, an awful lot of big deals uh, flying around at the moment, you know. Just just recently, OneComs picked up, um, you know, a, a few, you know, rather large uh, players in the market. You know, you, yourself, you've been subject to, you know, speculation. But I'm not going to ask you about that. Um, what I do want to ask you about is, you know, what are your thoughts on on the consolidation you're seeing right now? What does that mean to the market? What does it signal to to, to you? Um, you know, is it is this pure land grab and scale? You know, what 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 does this um, what does this mean to you? I guess.
1: No, I mean, you, you mentioned Wonkong there, obviously, just recently we've seen obviously more recent news with Sabio, uh, obviously with Gamma, uh, at the start of the year there was Charterhouse, so there's, there's a huge amount of that MA act- activity going on. Uh, Will some of it, not referencing those uh, names in particular, be a land grab, potentially maybe a geographical location for acquisition, maybe into a new vertical. But actually, if you look at the more recent ones, it's all about capability or capacity. So we talked about the different trends in the market, what our customers are starting to look for. So I think a lot of these acquisitions are to, to adopt that skill set, bring in that technology to better serve their customers. Um, and it's certainly something that, you know, we at Maintel are, have started looking at, we will continue to look at. A, can we fulfill it internally with our own R&D capability with our team at Fairham? with our existing vendor portfolio, our widening vendor portfolio, or do we indeed have to start looking at acquisitions to build in what I can only see is either capability, skill sets and IP and functionality, or the capacity to be able to serve our customers. So I've, I think it's more capability, capacity and skill set to better serve today's environment and indeed where we see the, the customer requirements changing over the next two to three years. And I think that resonates with a lot of the recent mna activity we've seen
0: yeah absolutely okay um the future of the comms channel uh you know you know what what are your thoughts um the, the humble reseller you know what part to, to play do they have in this in this market you know we're seeing big brands coming in with more self-service options and than, than ever you know all these large ecosystems uh being developed you know what? What, what is your um, you know feeling on the future of the of the comms channel? Well, you look at
1: um, the MSP market, and, and everyone's got different African names for it. It's still set to grow. You know, it's a globally, it's still a sort of multi billion uh, dollar business, and it's set to grow um, uh, continuously over the foreseeable future. And I think you have to look from the customer perspective. I don't think there's a single vendor that can now deal with all of what the customer requires, whether you look at UCCC security, networks, calls, lines, minutes, mobile integration. Um, So you've got to look at multiple vendors and customers don't want to have multiple vendors, vendors to manage, try and integrate all of those to come up with a solution. So for a system integrator, a managed service provider, there is undoubtedly a bigger role and therefore a bigger opportunity Um, in not only the UK market, but the global market. So it's really a a case of really understanding which verticals you operate in and what is it your customers require today and what would they require in the future. Mapping that both internally to the vendor portfolio you work with and what their capability is and how they interoperate and where there's a gap, that's clearly where the value add comes in to a system integrator and MSP is bringing that portfolio set in integrating it if you if they can't integrate then obviously you're from that level of development and middleware integration there yourselves and bringing a single partner to a customer that can facilitate multiple requirements and that can be done commercially on-prem in the cloud OPEX CAPEX perpetual subscription license so I think there's a bigger role of matching solutions to customer requirements, the service and managed service wrap around it, and the commercials to best suit the customers, depending on budgets or requirements.
0: Yeah, and uh, clearly in, in today's environment, as, as we've spoken about, um, you know, the need for technology is uh, it's, it's unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you, can't, you can't do anything without technology. So for the, for the channel, uh, what a fabulous opportunity. I think so. I think, you know, it's a fabulous
1: opportunity for the channel partner, but actually it better serves the customers as well because they are getting the best of breed vendors brought in by the the partners, that level of integration and in uh, in turn, very clear, well-demonstrated SLAs that are signed up under contract for clear deliverance. So, yes, I think that's a great opportunity.
0: Excellent. Well, look, Yohan, um, I think that's all we've got time for uh, today. It's been absolutely fascinating uh, speaking to you, as as always. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining me.
1: David, a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for your time.
0: And thank you for watching. You've been watching me, David Dungay, on UC Today. If you like today's show, please give us a like and a share on social media. It's greatly appreciated. Um, that's it for me. I'll see you next time. <laughs>